Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. gentlemen welcome to another episode of dangerous world podcast here i'm recording this in the early hours of the morning i've been up for about 30 minutes so if my voice sounds a little weird fear not the rest of the episode does not sound like this okay um but i had the pleasure of getting to talk with a number one best-selling amazon author it's a mouthful but um this was this was a cool conversation i usually don't do too many paranormal focused episodes and that's going to change um this is starting to really really become more and more interesting to me um obviously i mean i talk with great um people that research and study the paranormal Chaz of the dead is a guy that i speak with about that pretty often nico from upstate unconventional i consider him to be pretty darn knowledgeable when it comes to the paranormal and some of this more less tangible things things that some people say, well, this isn't provable and, you know, you get out your ghost hunting equipment and have a little conversation. But uh, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of other people that I speak with, like those two guys there that really do know a thing or two about paranormal stuff. Ghost um, from my third eye, he definitely gets into it a little bit. We just have fun conversations when it comes to this stuff. And I usually don't take them too seriously, right? Not the the people having the conversation, but the topic. It's usually more of a fun thing. And um, like I said, it's becoming more and more interesting. So you're probably going to see those guys and, um, you know, some topics that they get into more and more on my show here, just because it's different. Change the pace up a little bit, right? But um, I talk with M.R. Gorga here. He's the author of Demons Among Us, Shocking Real Life Stories from the Paranormal, and again, this is a number one best-selling book on Amazon here. And, and I was honored to, to have the chance to talk with this dude. We're leading into Halloween. I'm going to try and get him back on with maybe a spooky panel. Um, and we'll have a, a, a nice ha- Halloween conversation sometime before uh, the big witch day there. This guy talks about a lot of witchcraft in not only the book, but in this episode. And kind of just runs through what is all in this book here i'm trying to see if there's a nice description um here on amazon but yeah the first fully recorded eyewitness account of demonic possession in american history um this is decades before the salem witch trials real encounters with black spirits inhuman entities visions and terrifying nighttime visitations and he actually recounts a couple of his own experiences here and uh even gets into a story that he hasn't shared on any other show so i was honored to uh to be the first one to get that one out uh in an audio version here and then also how dark forces influence the world around you how they deceive and destroy and even kill are you at risk um yeah it's a very very interesting sounding book and um 
the author couldn't be more interesting. It was it was pretty freaking cool to uh, get to talk with somebody like this. I don't want to bore you with a long intro. You know that I appreciate the support over there at patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. And I'm getting more and more um, focused on the podcast itself. I'm actually moving out of my day-to-day grind um, outside of things like this. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, slowly moving into focusing more and more on this. So your support over there is very much appreciated. And uh, dangerousworldstore.com. All my designs did get wiped out off of my computer, but I'm in the process of redoing all of those designs. Um, They're all going to be the exact same. It's just a matter of finding the old fonts and getting everything back to how it was. So um, the store's still up. Your orders may take a little little while, but uh, you know I'm a one-man operation here, so it's not next-day delivery anyway. So I appreciate all the support over there at Patreon and at Dangerous World Store, and also five-star reviews. Um, I came ill-prepared here. I don't even know where my phone is. Otherwise, I would read a five-star review right now, but we'll do it next episode because this is already running long. So enjoy this. Uh, We do the first hour or so, as always, for free, and then additional content from this episode and about 100 others at this point over there at patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast okay thanks guys enjoy the show well, let's just roll right into it here is mr gorga awesome author of demons among us shocking real life stories from the paranormal enjoy the show what is going on everybody i'm very very honored to have mr gorga on he's the author of an Amazon number one best-selling book called Demons Among Us, Shocking Real-Life Stories from the Paranormal. Dude, this is going to be a fun episode. This is a perfect time of year. We're just coming into Halloween season, spooky season, as it's called in your community. I've got a buddy that's a paranormal researcher. He refers to it the same way. So, uh, again, can't be uh, thankful enough for your time here, first of all, man. How you doing, dude? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a cool conversation. Yeah, I want right away for you to plug all of your work. Uh, you know, attention spans these days. We got to get them, get them while while they're just tuning in. And then right. uh, I want to. I have a few questions for you, brother. All right. Well, uh, the name of my book is "Demons Among Us: Shocking Real Life Stories from the Paranormal." Um, it covers a wide swath of the paranormal. It's a really a. I basically ripped the veil off the paranormal to expose what's really happening behind there. And uh, what lurks behind that curtain may truly terrify you. Um, we discussed the first fully documented uh, case of demonic possession in American history. My personal experiences with dark spirits and demonic entities and midnight hauntings uh, and a whole other uh, all other kinds of uh, juicy paranormal stuff. And you can find my book on Amazon right now. Um, I have it actually discounted for the ebook for the Kindle version at three seventy seven, uh, and it's only to the fifteenth. So if you're going to get the book, get it now. It's really, really uh, discounted, um, and uh, that's on Amazon.com. And you can find me on Instagram at m dot r dot gorga and at Facebook at m r gorga. MR Gorga. Yeah, dude, no, this is this is fascinating stuff because my show normally I don't get into you know more paranormal type things like this. I've been really really obsessed with black magic and politics 
which I'm sure we'll touch on in some way throughout this episode, because it sounds like we're going to run the gamut through a lot of yeah, this kind of talk. Yeah. Sure. I got to ask, man, what got you into this stuff? Uh, well, I've been writing since a little kid, and uh, I grew up in uh, in New Jersey, and um, at the at that time, uh, Amityville Horror was happening, and had just come out, and we had the Son of Sam running around, and uh. so and the fear that kind of spread over uh, up north, you know, spilling out of New York into New Jersey, it was just this really. Uh, palpable thing and for some reason i i just believe that these these accounts had an indelible kind of effect that um you know that fed into my writing and um and the the paranormal was just sort of was just this so intriguing you know that i i took to it you know yeah did you have any paranormal experiences when you were a child or was it mostly like real life like the killers outside your door type thing because this is kind of the era where people started locking their doors right exactly like, yes yeah, yeah and yeah. before that it was all like yeah everyone knows their neighbors and blah 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 everyone's cool yeah um but yeah. yeah did you have any kind of paranormal experiences or just real life stuff that was kind of yeah at, you know, at the time uh when i was a kid well i had i have two uh I have two like paranormal experiences I talk about as firsts okay. firsts as a kid firsts as an adult so we'll talk about firsts as a kid when I was a kid we uh like I said we lived in New Jersey and um we lived in a two-story house and uh on the the the, the ground level floor the first floor uh we had a laundry room and my sisters were playing outside the laundry room at one time and um all of a sudden this big white hand ghosty hand comes out of the the laundry room door and um tries to grab my sisters and I'm on the stairs and and I watch them like you know run from the room like screaming you know bloody murder up the steps and you know and my when my parents came down and looked there was there was nothing there but um it was it was so real uh, that, you know, we still talk about it today at, uh, holidays and stuff. Hey, remember the, 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 the white hand, you know, and we were, we were very young. So it was, that was like the, the, the very first, um, paranormal experience and how I got into writing <laughs> wow. was it, it for somehow like this, these incidences fed into my writing. And, um, like I told you before, I was writing since I was little, uh, my teacher in second grade gave a writing uh, assignment to us. And and so I wrote this story about, I don't know, this mummy on the murder spree. And uh, and I handed it. And I'm in like second grade. <laughs> I, this, is, this is no second, third or fourth. It, I was very young. And uh, this was no you know content for someone my age to yeah, be writing. No kidding. By any means. And uh, and so I handed in. And, um, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm always going to say, and, uh, my parents get a phone call at night and it's my teacher. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I'm, oh. I'm dead. So did you grow <laughs> and, up in a house where this would not be looked at favorably or were they just like happy that you're being creative? Cause my next question after that is, was the story good? Well, the story was good because he called up, like I said, I thought I was going to get in trouble. I was nervous. And, 
And um, yeah, so he's talking to him on the phone. He goes, he goes, hey, you, you know, your son has a real talent for writing. You need to enter him into the uh, the Young Authors Club immediately. And so that's, awesome. uh, that's how long I've been writing, and that's how long the the you know this this creepy paranormally kind of stuff has been. You know, I've been uh, I've been at it. So, uh, but yeah, so I, it was quite the opposite. I was very surprised. I thought I was going to get in trouble. And he ended up, you know, praising me for this crazy story. What a great teacher. So he kind of helped yeah, you get your, yeah. your writing career started. And he yeah, used to, I mean, yeah, did. I don't know the setting there, like in the school, if they were overly religious. And, and uh, like I was kind of asking earlier, and feel free to pass on any of these questions if they're too personal or anything like that. No, it, was that kind of thing? Was that kind of uh, a subject material? Was that something acceptable by your household, like your parents? Or was was it kind of more of a religious background uh no you know, i mean I, I grew up in you know nominal was nominally like catholic basically catholic in name only they were taking us to sure. church because it would probably be good for the kids or you yeah. know but they really had no no practice behind it it was i don't even know why they went but yeah <laughs> there was it really had no effect or how they they lived their lives or guided their you know decisions or, or any way shape or form so, uh, but except just going to church. So they weren't bothered at all. They were just like happy that you were creative and and excelling in something at such a young age. Yeah. 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 They, I don't remember them saying anything about the subject matter, but they did, they were excited that, you know, I was, had a, a, a gift or a talent at a very yeah. early age. Yeah. Well, good for you, dude. That's pretty freaking cool. Honestly, like just coming up with something like that. So young and then. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously the story about the, the childhood, but then, so what about this first paranormal experience as an adult? You said that that was very different and, yeah. and it seemed like this shapes your career quite a bit too. Yeah. Well, my, my first experience, um, is, well, first of all, let me just set the backdrop. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And so when I first, uh, decided to become a, a believer, I knew nothing about God. I knew nothing about, you know, even though we had the Catholic background, it didn't mean anything. Sure. <clears throat> so I knew nothing about nothing, uh, 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 you know, about anything. Right. And um, and so um, so I become uh, a believer. I accept Jesus Christ. And um, my very first time in prayer, I don't know what prayer is. I don't even know how to do it. I don't know what it sounds like. <laughs> I don't know what in the world to do and so right yeah and i'm talking into the air right yeah (laughs) and uh and so i'm um at my bed and it's one of those prayers like god i don't even know if you're real kind of prayers right yeah and um and so as i'm in 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 prayer i feel something enter the room and it's it's this this creepy eerie kind of feeling and it's comes right up behind my ear my my right ear and and i'm like i don't want to look behind me but i know something's there and so i i scrunch my shoulder like to kind of like shirk it away you know like (laughs) whatever i shoot away and then um you know a second or so later um a voice spoke and says you may have gone to god but you belong to me I'm never, I'm never going to let you go. You will always be mine. And it was the voice of a demonic spirit, whether it was Satan himself or 
uh, a, a demonic spirit is as clear as I'm speaking to you. But, you know, Hollywood makes a, a real show of like what demon voices sound like, like sure. making them all hoarse and gravelly. This was nothing of the sort. This was this was very princely and silvery, baritone and regal. There was authority behind it and it was placid. But underneath this placidity was um, you could sense this stream of cunning evil. And so it was like the words were you, you, it. It literally made you believe these words. That's a much power that it that it had. So it was as, as clear as day as I'm speaking to you. That's as clear as it spoke into my ear. And, and you said this was a masculine voice. It was a male. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Masculine for sure. That is freaking weird because i mean why do you think that this that this entity would be approaching you when you're saying a prayer because like i i mean you said it yourself you don't know what you're doing when you're saying this prayer it's not like you're some devout uh you know follower of jesus at that time maybe you are now right right? but um do you think it was coming to you because of maybe your talent and maybe kind of your interest in the darkness and this paranormal stuff or do you think uh, it was just because you were wishy-washy on your faith and it was trying to attack while you were still fresh? Well, what happens is um, when you decide to become a follower or a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, basically what happens is, is like you change teams. So you don't have to be bowing down to Satan statues or anything to be, uh, to be, to be under the governance or the principles of Satan. You just have to be out of the will of God. And that means you're you are operating in that realm without even knowing it. And so what happens is, you know, you just think you're going about your, you know, your your things and, you know, but you're influenced by it and you don't even know. Right. So what happens is, is like you change teams. And when you change teams, you now have a, a mortal enemy and he's going to stop that at at all costs. And, and what the Bible says is that the, the devil comes to steal this the seed that was planted in you. And so, mm-hmm. and that's what it was. It comes immediately to steal the seed. Um, and so what that, so what it was, was a, a demonic attack right at the beginning to try to, um, to, to thwart you out of the things of God. And, you know, so, and when, when you decide to become a follower, um, you put a target on your back and, uh, and now, you know, the, there's a there's a notion out there. It's like, well, you're you're religious or you're a believer. Nothing like that's going to happen. That's quite the opposite. The 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 deeper you go and the the higher you go, um, and the the more you seek, the bigger this threat becomes. So you become a threat to this demonic kingdom. Yeah. He's out at all cost to to take you out of the game. That's why. So- uh, for me personally, you know, I, I, I like the idea of Jesus. I, I, I tend to think he was very real. Um, I am a fan of like the teachings and things that I've learned and mostly the things that I've gone out and seeked myself. I think a lot of the things that we learn in churches, excuse my language, is kind of bullshit. I think that a lot of the major religions, the good word. Yeah. They, they stray a lot of people away and, and they're very satanic. I mean, these big yes. religious churches are are horrible. Uh, the things they do to children and the things that they do to weak people and people that just are asking for help. So I, I, I tend to very much follow uh, Jesus in that way. However, I consider myself agnostic. Um, do, I know I've known and I've heard it said that the devil loves an atheist, right? 
Um, yeah. do, do you, in your opinion, does he feel the same way about an agnostic individual? Um, am I kind of like playing a little bit into the devil's plan by not necessarily picking a side? Yeah, to to not choose a side is choosing a side, and okay. the 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 more uh, ignorant that the the person or individual is, the better. Uh, and what I say on on programs all the times is that just uh, the the less you know, um, or the more ignorant that you are to his to his reality and his schemes and his governments, um, that makes individuals a better pawn because the these satanic forces and demonic forces need people to operate through. They're not walking around like hairy monsters. Yeah. They need people to, to walk, to, to work through. And so the, the people who remain ignorant to these realities, um, these are the better pawns for, um, for the demonic um, advancements. That's interesting, man. I need to look into it more then. Cause I've kind of like gone, gone about my life just thinking that, you know, like I said, I lean towards the idea of Jesus and I, I, uh, I choose good over evil 10 times out of 10. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, and I do recognize like the dark forces. Like you yeah. said a word there that stood out to me, government, the, the satanic governments. I yes. very, I don't know if you meant that literally like the government of the United States is satanic. I would say it is. Well, it's um, a government. It's, um, uh, when you, um, uh, when you, when you, when you think about how the demonic forces and the demonic realm works it's a government right so you have uh lucifer or satan um as as its head and then you have all of the the offices and underlings under uh, you know underneath in operation so basically it's like yeah it's basically president lucifer right and then everything gets disseminated out in you know out and it's a government and people don't realize they're actually under this government because if they're out of the will of god they're under the government of satan so wow yeah and so and that's what people don't really understand they're like well i don't bow down to demon statues or you know and, or things of that nature or you know it, you don't have to you just have to you just don't have to believe not in god <laughs> to be under the influence and um and so uh, if you can look at the demonic realm as influencer marketing, um, uh-huh. and if I was, uh, and we all know how, how influencer marketing works, right? You take yeah. a guy who's really popular, right? And then he says, hey, check out this product. And he sends it out to like his millions of followers, right? And it's the same way in the spirit realm where it's like, if I was a smart devil, or a smart demon, who would I use? Well, Attractive people, people that have influence. Yeah, hundred percent. I would use presidents. I would use. I would use uh, lawmakers, heads of state, yeah. lawmakers, judges, musicians, um, actresses, actors. and actors. Yeah, okay. Everyone popular is starting to see it. This yes. is this is how it works. Wow. Okay. I've never heard it put like that. It makes a yeah. lot more sense. Yeah, I mean, once we're able to kind of look at this thing, like, you know, object, well, no one's really ever thought of, like, how does this demonic world work? (laughs) So it's not something that really enters into the realm of thinking, because you don't know. First of all, you just don't know all this stuff is happening around you, because it's, it's behind the veil. Mm -hmm. 
right? But once you're able to know and understand how these things work, it becomes very, 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 very clear. Now, do you believe that the that the governments of this world, in particular the United States government, I feel like they're hands down still the most powerful out there. Maybe that'll be changing soon. Do you think that these governments of the world use black magic to control their citizens and things like that? I think um, I think the people are under the the uh, influence of evil, um, whether knowingly or unknowingly. I do think that there are practices in high places. Um, I don't know. I don't know who, but I believe that there there are. Um, and there's some who uh, just think they're going about and, and agreeing to their, you know, to to going along with whatever plan or scheme that they they are. Uh, but these ideas and a lot of these ideas um, are are hatched by evil, um, whether whether knowingly or unknowingly. Sure. Now, there's people who know and then there's people who don't know. And so, but yeah, I believe that there's, there's spiritual Bible talks about spiritual wickedness in high places. That's not the sky that's in, in the public forum, you know, Mm -hmm. society. And it sounds like it's our responsibility to find this out and to know. And so if we see somebody that's in like a mid-level position in this evil demonic structure of government, uh, unknowingly carrying out acts that the ones in the know are kind of you know putting onto these people these pawns yeah uh they're they're just as guilty even though they may not know is that kind of what you're getting at? yeah that's yeah that's correct yeah that's correct because it's our responsibility to uh to know understand and to uh and to question right um you know it's like that uh the excuse uh what himmler was like oh i'm just following orders exactly like what you have no conscience yeah you yeah. have nothing checking you inside that this might be wrong yeah. right man how much do we see that today you know exactly yeah exactly well that's you know that's exactly the reason why i wrote uh demons among us is be- to open the eyes of people who are on may or may not understand or know that they um, that evil and dark forces are functioning all around them and that they might be influenced by it without even know it, you know? Huh. Uh, so that was one of the main reasons why I wrote the book was to just, uh, shed the light on what was happening. And the reason this came about was because, um, I was going through, uh, a series of nighttime demonic assaults. It was for like a, you know, a week or 10 days. I forget. I don't know how many days it was, but, you know, is going through midnight stranglings with cr- like cold steel hands, invisible hands, you know, choking me and um, evil whisperings, um, you know, to try to speak things, evil things into your, you know, into your psyche, um, you know, bitings and and just a, a host of, of strange things happening at night. And and I know that these things don't want the light shed on them. So my answer to those episodes is demons among us because they're going to hit, I'm going to hit back. And so that's why I wrote demons among us. Hell yeah. So this was going on before or during your, your writing of this book. Yeah. Well, this is, this was the pretty much the single, uh, the single most thing uh, that, that caused me to write the book was these, these episodes. So it was, you know, I know that they don't want to be exposed. And so I said, all right, you're gonna hit me. I'm gonna hit back. And That's fascinating. 
and so and that's why i i wrote you know i wrote demons among us <laughs> gee then it, it's freaky to think because yeah like i mean for me i haven't had any paranormal experiences myself so i find them difficult to to believe in 100 percent. just because it hasn't happened to me doesn't mean that they're not real right um, right can you get more into these things a little bit? And then I, you know, and then I'd love to, to get into any parts of the book that you're interested. In. I'm, I'm dying to find out about this uh, first uh, exorcism in the United States. Yeah, but well, the, yeah. Tell me where you want to go. I mean, <laughs> well, I want to find out more about these attacks on you. You mentioned like okay. things that it, it, w- did this seem like some, some sort of like succubus type thing, like sitting on top of you type thing, choking you. That's yeah. There was, yeah, there was starts with, um, uh, basically invisible hands. They, they're like iron and Cold they're, metal, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's, it's like iron. You can't pry it off, but you start, you start choking because you're being strangled. Right. So there is that. And at the same time, they, 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 there's a, there's this level of palpable fear that overwhelms that comes off of these spirits. And so basically it paralyzes you in fear at the same time. And what it does is it takes your breath away um, from speaking or crying out. So for a minute there, you you literally think that you're going to die. Yeah. And, you know, and so but finally, you're able to 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 eke something out. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, but but Jesus is as um, once you call on the name of Jesus, he has given such an undescribable power to the believer he says, I give you power to trample on snakes and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. So he has endued his followers and his believers with this indescribable power to take authority and to over and to cast these demonic beings out who are so superior in intellect, strength and might um, than than you or I. But he's given this supernatural power to cast them out that, that, um, to overwhelm them, to, um, you know, to, you, to, to overtake them. You yeah. Know? It's like the, the Mario, like when you eat the mushroom, you grow bigger and then like, you're more <laughs> powerful. You can do, you know, yeah. right? that's what it sounds like. So yeah. when, when, when these things are choking you and it sounds like, like you said yourself, it feels like you're going to die. Not yeah. for one second. It feels like of natural causes. It doesn't feel like a heart attack. It doesn't feel like you're no. choking on something. It <laughs> no, feels you're... like there is something invisible choking you there. Yeah. There's, there's something in the room and you know it, you know, like when you know that someone's in the room. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically that with this, you know, indescribable um, fear and um, like this angst kind of feeling. So it's also the feeling that that overtakes the room as well. And so you have a lot of these experience or these these accounts yeah. also yeah. in the book. Yeah, I have uh, one of the experiences is um, um, I'll go into that now. Yeah. Um, one of the the most frightening experiences i've ever had this happened when i was uh i had lost my job at a at a at the marketing department of a local newspaper and uh so that meant i i needed to move out of my apartment and so i moved into uh i moved back out west and um i moved into a house that was it belonged to my family but they had left it and uh it was sitting there for like six months 
So when I pulled up, it looked literally looked like the Munsters could have lived there or the Adams <laughs> family. I mean, it literally had every hallmark of a haunted house. Dust and, everywhere, dark. Uh, well, no, let's just start from the outside. Overgrown brown grass. Okay, of course. Right? Overground brown grass. And uh, I'll never forget it. The the door, um, the fence was all dilapidated and colorless, you know, raw wood. And the fence was even creaking in the in the breeze like on one hinge (laughs) and i'm like oh my god and to make matters worse there are these two block windows on either side square windows and they looked over the property like these two vacant eyes and it was very reminiscent of the amityville horror and so i'm like oh man okay all right so i go in and i'm there for a little bit and i don't know how long or whatever but I, you know, uh, when I walk in, it looks like uh, they never left. I mean, there's toys, uh, there's toys in there. There's there's bills on the table. There's milk in the fridge and pots in the sink. It literally looked like these were they were went to the store and they were coming back. But it was very very heartbreaking. And so, this is what I walked into. <laughs> and so I take the room on the upstairs, which is the master bedroom. And one night, um, I'm I go to bed and I'm, you know, I'm laying down and I, I start to smell something, which is really rotten smell, rotten with the, this chemical gassy kind of note to it. Sure. And I'm like, what the heck is that? So I get up and I'm like sniffing around the room and there's nothing upstairs. And I go downstairs and look in the garbage. There's no garbage you know, in the, in the garbage disposer, the disposal, there's nothing there. So I look up at the air vent and I'm like, and it's, it's coming from the air vent. And so I, I get a chair, I hike up on the chair and I put my face to the vent and it's just black rot, you know, it's just rot, rotten smell, just rotting death breathing onto my face. Uh. And I'm like, Oh man. And so I, um, I hike down and I'm very suspicious. Something's going on at this point. Yeah. So I get off the chair. I cut the power to the AC. I get back on the chair and the thing is still blowing directly into my face without any mechanical or any electricity aiding it. So it's blowing out by itself now. And I'm like, oh, mother, yeah, I go up there <laughs> and I'm like, so I know, so I know I'm in for something this night. <laughs> Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so so i go back up upstairs <clears throat> and i try to go back to sleep and i'm i'm on my side and as i'm on my side um i hear something call my name and it says you know it says really slow really serpentine and really like evil and creepy but it sounds as far as away as it does near. So it sounded like it was coming from like the back of a cave, but yet it sounded, yeah, echoey. Yeah. But it was, it sounded very near, but very far. If you can, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 At the same time, both near and far. And, and I'm like, I'm not rolling over. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, and I feel something in the room. So, I roll over and when I look up, there's this thing looming over my bed 
and it's a black robed figure and it's tall, it's lanky with crooked shoulders and its head is cocked and it's looking down with, um, with this broad smile and his, you can see his face set back, um, deep in the cowl of its head, but you can, you can, you can see the face, the semblance of a face and it's looking down at me with this broad smile. And then I feel something on my chest and I look down and there's this clawed hand moving up my chest and it's, it's going to choke me. And it's just looking at me like some demented doctor, like, you know, like a patient in a bed, you know, and I'm, and the, the fear, the, the fear and the hate that was coming over the, off of this thing was like overwhelming. It was, you know, not only did I feel the hatred like in the room, but it was also through my body. I felt it through my body, like mm. boiling hot tar. So you could feel the, the, whatever that power is emanating off of it. And I can't cry out. Like I said before, I'm just paralyzed, like with, with, with fear. And, um, and, and I glanced down at its, at its gown or its robes, you know, and it wasn't tatters. It wasn't shredded cloths or anything like that. It was actually neat rectangular uh, strips that went from black to darker gray black to darker like in layers and it got blacker the more layers it went it got blacker and it there was it was a flowy watery motion to the bottom of its of its uh, of its gown um and it was weird because it was like as much as it was physical was as much as it was uh spiritual meaning mm -hmm. that there was a bottom of the portion of that gown um that i could see through it was very ghostly kind of at that section. And so, and the reason why this was the, the most frightening experience was because this was the first time I'd ever um, felt anything of like the, you know, the physical form, like touch my physical form. I felt chokings and stuff, but this was the first time it's manifested from the spiritual into the natural and physically touching me as real as I could touch anybody else. Um, and so that was, that was my most terrifying account. I yeah, I can't imagine it getting three. worse. I mean, I, how you, you <laughs> say like this? Why this? I mean, that that that's got to be incredibly scary when you you're in this house that you say it was a family house, but no one yeah. is occupying the house. Um, yeah. It is interesting to me that the electricity was on and all this stuff too. That was one of my questions that I had. But I mean, you, you cleared that up. Yeah. Do you think that these entities like this one in particular, do you think that they're from other dimensions or, or, or maybe in like some sort of parallel universe or is it something, is it something that's always here, but it's some, for some reason manifests to people like yourself that seem to have like more of an incline to see these things. Like I said, I've never seen one. Maybe I don't believe in them and this is why I don't see them. Mm. Um, but I, I hear stories from a lot of people like yourself that it seems like if you see it once, you see it multiple times. Yeah. But I guess my first question would be, do you think they come from this realm or some somewhere else? Well, they're, they're fallen angels. So what, what demons are, are actually these highly intellectual, highly powerful and highly influential, uh, beings, uh, angelic beings, um, that fell from heaven. And to speak biblically for a second, what happened was uh, that the angel Lucifer um, 
held the highest position in heaven. He was a guardian of God's throne. So he dwelt in the presence where not everybody could go in the presence of God because it was God's most prized God. creation before humans, right? Well, he was, yeah, we could talk about this in a second, but he was, he was God's most beautiful, most powerful, um, most influential uh, creation ever created, okay. right? Being ever created. Um, and so he had waged a war uh, in heaven because he was, because of his beauty, he was exalted in his pride. He became very prideful. And so he decides to wage a war in heaven because he wants to be God. He said, I will be as God. I'll sit on the, the mount of the congregations of the north, and I will be like the most high, and I will exalt my name above the stars and all that stuff. So he, you know, he has uh, incredibly vain. And so he wages this war. He draws a third of the angels to his cause, however many they are billions upon billions sure um lo and behold uh they the angels fought against other angels and ultimately they were cast uh the the satan and and lucifer's angels were cast out of heaven to the earth now a misconception is that satan is in hell he's not in hell that's hell is reserved for the punishment at a due time. That's a jail sentence, a death sentence in a sense um, created for rebellious spirits and both human and spiritual. And so hell was a created place by God that he's going to send the devil in due time at the uh, judgment. Uh, it's one of the judgments he talks about, right? There's a couple, there's a great white throne judgment. There's an, there's another judgment, but so anyway, he gets cast into that's where he's going as a, as a prison sentence. He's not going to rule it. He's not sitting there now ruling it with a pitchfork. That's going to be his, his, his jail sentence where he was cast was to the cosmos and to the earth. So he oh. believes that this earth is his home. And so when he takes over like a person or whatever, or is uh, influencing these forces or, or um, influencing people in some form or, or way, when they're encountered, uh, the demon will believe that um, they belong there. Like, well, they invited me in. This is mine. Like, I belong here, Right. So it's like, so whatever vice you might have, that's actually an entryway for a, a demonic stronghold or a grip, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so Satan himself and his angels uh, were cast uh, to the earth. Um, and this is, this, is, this is where they operate now. So when what you, was, when you, I don't forget the original question. <laughs> no, it was, it was, I mean, you answered it. You nailed it there. I was asking if, if the entity that you were interacting with on that, that in very interesting night, if it was uh, of this realm or if it was not, or if it was something yeah. that was kind of here always, but manifested in this weird way, it sounds yeah. like, uh, like I said, you nailed it. When you say the cosmos and earth, I think right away of uh, like as above, so below it's, it's something that I think is really powerful in all this stuff. Right. Mm, yeah, I yeah. I mean, and that was uh that attack was actually a very specific spirit that was uh the spirit of witchcraft. This because, one that that was interacting with you. Yeah, yeah, that was the spirit of witchcraft because what happened so when I was finally able to speak again I called on Jesus and I just saw this thing like melt um it it folded into itself like like tiny droplets 
like uh, like mist in a sense. That's how powerful the name of Jesus is. So it's like, um, and it just folded into itself and vanished. Huh. It was crazy. And so when I finally shot up and I said, what the fuck was that? <laughs> uh, it was shot directly in my spirit. That was the spirit of witchcraft. So when you have, um, when you have access to God, people find it really weird. Like, Oh, he's from God. He's crazy. It's like, no, you, you, through Jesus Christ, you have been reconnected to God to hear from him. So to me, it's the most natural thing in the world to hear from the creator of heaven and earth and everything and everyone on it. It's not a bizarre thing. It's what he wants. He wants to speak to you. <laughs> he wants to speak to humanity, but um, and so, but that's how I look at it. Um, but yeah, so he shot that directly into my spirit. That was witchcraft. Wow. I mean, it, yeah, you make a great point there that it, it is very natural to talk to God and, and for God to talk through people. It's just so unfortunate that so many people abuse that and they lie about it. Right. A lot yeah. of people, yeah. uh, mostly big religious figures and people that are trying to gain some fame uh, seem to to lie about this, and it, it's yeah, really it's really corrupted the idea. So it's unfortunate. It has, and it's 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 unfortunate. Fortunate, and I, um, you know, I think the the modern church and mega churches, um, they've just become this this circus. Um, and so you really have to work hard at not being influenced, you know, uh, by it. Um, that they're not functioning under the spirit or under the Holy spirit or by Jesus, by any means. Um, and so if you're a follower, you really have to keep your eyes on Jesus, not the church. Sure. I agree with that. I agree with that a hundred percent. Um, so back to your book more, how, how is this thing? How, how did you write it out? Like in the different sections? I know I really, like I said, I'm really interested in this demonic possession case. The first one, um, can you tell us a little bit more about like some of the, the different sections that you have, like your personal accounts, uh, yeah. and just some of the other sections? Yeah. It starts off with, uh, like an introduction, um, of the American obsession with, um, the paranormal, uh, movies and, you know, and things of that nature. So I talk about how we are all in some form of, in some form or fashion, darkly fascinated by this these dark things, you know, it's like watching a train wreck, right? It's like, <laughs> and so we're, you know, we're a car crash, can't keep your eyes off it. And for some reason, we all have this innate thing in us that's completely fascinated, you know, by it. And uh, if the box offices are anything to tell, it's, there's, there's a lot of interest in it. And I, I list some, some numbers and some sales and everything like that. I paint that picture. Um, and then I go into chapter two, which is the, it's called American Demoniac. And it's the first fully documented eyewitness account of demonic possession in American history. And it was reported uh, two decades before the Salem witch trials in early New England, just to paint the picture. Yeah. And the story is between the town minister uh, at the time. Uh, and he was a young guy. He started at 25, but this happened, I think, when he was like around 30, 33. He was a minister of the town for a while. And um, and it's between him and his 16-year-old maid or maid servant, which they were called at the time. Um, she was a living maid to the town minister. 
and it was a little community in the basically the woods of Massachusetts, um, surrounded by you know natives and things of that nature. So I mean, we're talking about a very very small, tight knit community, um, <clears throat> and he was the minister of the time. And so what had happened is she started to uh, to display some really questionable actions that you know that he raised some eyebrows and he thought, you know, he thought that this is some questionable stuff here. Let me start journaling it. So what he did was he started journaling it day by day by day, what was happening to this girl and why it was happening. And she had some really bizarre accounts where she, she was, um, she had accounts where she was trying to throw herself in the fire. Um, they had to rescue her a couple of times from throwing herself into the fire, the fireplace or the hearth uh, <laughs> at that time. Uh, and, and so what would happen is they would try to like pin her down, like three or four guys would try to pin her down, but she would throw them off. She had supernatural strength. And this happened a couple of times. One time it was three or four guys. And other times it was five or six guys. And this is a, this is a 16 year old girl. Yeah. She's a waif, right? And she's, <laughs> yeah. she, she's like, you know, and she should only take off. one dude, a single. I mean, this is a, this right. is repeated, though, right? I mean, you see yeah. this when a, a small, frail person, whether it be an old yeah. lady, a small child, a right. girl, they're able to overpower many strong or at least like well-built dudes. It's yeah. Weird. Yeah. It talks about her um, starts off like it starts off small, but like like laughter. But the laughter had like a, a, a strange chord to Samuel uh, was the was the minister's name. And um and so, and then it, it just progressed. And then, uh, and then she would fall onto the ground with this kind of like hysterical laughter, but then go into like seizures. Uh, so there's a lot of seizures episodes. And then there is, um, uh, she was, was screaming and howling and going through the home and, you know, just overturning everything. She was a real, you know, nightmare. And then, there was one scene, I don't want to give away all the scenes, but there sure, was one yeah. scene where she was, her head was back and her tongue was curled, curled back into her mouth, semicircular. And it was stuck like that. She stood like that for five days and they, they tried to pry her tongue out, but they couldn't because it was like hard as iron and there, and it okay. wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't let go. And, um, and so that was just one of the the strange episodes that that this May was going through. And the whole thing was about was, well, was she a servant of the devil or not? Did she sign the devil's book was the mystery. And so this is what they're kind of trying to get at. And you'll read about it in the book. Was she a servant of Satan or was she not? And why were these things happening to her? And they, lo and behold, they were happening to her way longer for than what people had thought since a kid man it's not you, you see this in pop culture like you know the, i don't know if if these uh you know writers and directors of these movies you know take you know borrow from like these real historical possessions but i'm thinking yeah. of like the last exorcism how she's leaning back like you just described they didn't yeah. show her tongue in that but i mean like right it's just wild to think someone's staying like this for for five days and this is well accounted historical yeah stuff fully documented and he wrote this um uh, you have to understand like okay this is no dumb guy sure right this is no dumb hick in the woods this is a graduate of harvard 
who oh, later wow. became okay. later became the president of Harvard. So this is this is no dumb hick. This is like the most uh, influential man in the colonies. In fact, this man actually, because of this case, um, was instrumental in trying to stop the Salem witch trials uh, because they were trying to use spectral evidence as you know, like a ghost, like someone's ghost came and attacked me, right? Sure. Um, and they were going to allow that in court. A lot and of rumors so, too, right? Well, yeah, yeah. So he was all, one of the only few reasonable ones who stood up and he's like, listen, you, this, you cannot allow this as evidence in court. You know, this is going to, you know, this is going to scar somebody for the rest of their, you know, rest of their life. They're never going to get rid of this witch because at the time um, it was preferred to be called a murderer than a witch. Wow. That's how bad it was to be called a witch. It would have uh, ruined someone's reputation forever. And so huh. this is what he fought against. And so, you know, people think that they were all like these crazy. No, this guy was was, you know, uh, clear minded and reasonable and rational. Right. So and I, I said all that to say is that he wrote this account so he could give it to um, the the minister at uh, Boston, who was Increase Mather, who was the rock star of his day. In fact, when he died, they 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 had a uh, um, funeral services for like a month. They they mourned for like a month. This is how influential he was to the early colonies. And so these are not dumb people. Yeah. <laughs> and this was happening in the very early stages of uh, American history. Yeah, it's it's insane. Do you feel that that there was more of this kind of stuff going on back in the old days, like before electricity was around? Do you think electricity has anything to do with the effect of like the paranormal kind of stuff? Well, we have hundreds of thousands of cases happening across Europe. So, um, you know, and so when when people came across um, escaping the religious persecution, um, what they came over for was to establish, they, you know, they were being murdered for their faith and everything, the Church of England and everything yeah. like that, right? And so they were trying to escape um, this persecution. And what they came over to America for, and this is completely fully documented, um, and they don't teach you in history books and in school, um, the reason they came over was to establish a land for the glory of God like the world had never seen. And you can read that actually on the Mayflower Compact, and you can read that in the, the writings of these early historical figures. That was the reason why they came to America. So that's the roots of America. So when they came over to America, this basically is like God stepping onto the new continent, right? Yeah. We talked about like the demonic uprising. I think that's what happened when these people came over to the new land, this upset the rule of darkness and satanic forces. And then you start to see an uprising of these things. Man, it's crazy to say that I've been looking into some stuff with the, like the new world order and the old world order and stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And you hear all the time in this conspiracy circle that I'm, I'm in that the new world order has always been a bad thing. And for me, what I've come to find, at least, and I don't know if I'm 100% right on this, but it seems like the New World Order is exactly what you're talking about there. And it was meant to be a good thing. It was meant to break out of the Old World Order 
the old demonic world order, if you want to call it that. Mm. And then the old world order infiltrates the new world order. So the new world order is just the same as the old world order at this point. But it well, started I, off with good intentions. It yeah. sounds like. Well, I think the new world order as we know it. Uh, no, I think there's a real evil danger to it. And what they want to do is, you know, control and to and to rule over and to dominate over. That's a demonic thing. Um, but what the, excuse me, what these yeah. people came over for was to form, you know, a nation for the glory of God. And I feel like they meant like, so I, I don't know if I explained it well enough, but like the old world order is very, very tyrannical and very ruling over people. Right. We, people well, like, we, yeah. You're talking about back in England before at the yes. persecution. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was very bloody. Yeah. It was very bloody. A lot of, a lot of lives lost. Um, and, uh, and people came, you know, people, people fled, you know, and that's, that's why we came here. And it was 16, uh, I want to say 1622, um, uh, when we started coming over, uh, and the minister that I'm talking about, his father came over on one of the, one of the ships and, uh, from Kent, uh, England and Samuel himself was the first generation American. He actually he actually baptized Benjamin Franklin, so he had these ties that reached into um, into the future of America. Wow! Yeah, wow! And so, I mean, are there any Masonic ties here with those folks? Oh no, not at all. No, no. Okay, because I mean, you know, with Benjamin Franklin and things like that, I, I had to ask. You know, well, no, I mean, yeah, but, but, well, he was a bit, you know, he was young. <laughs> oh, Franklin <laughs> at that was t- at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So he's not so, part of the Nine Sisters Lodge or any of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> not at the time. No. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. No. I, I mean, this stuff is so interesting. There's so much about history that we just don't know. We're not told about this stuff. Like yeah. Yeah. Yourself, well, that's you know? why I'm. Uh, well, that's why I, you know I'm. I'm like a historian. Uh, in order to write this stuff, you really have to dig deep into history. Um, and for this story, I reached back 350 years, uh, and so I really um, dug deep into you know real like yellowed parchment with black flowing script in libraries with books you can't touch like it's from the 1600s and so when we talk about like a really researched in-depth story i did as much work as you possibly can do um and to dig up and unearth the story um to make it as real uh as possible and to bring you into this society at the time because you have to understand the thinking you have to understand the customs you have to understand the reasons you have to understand the religion and you have to understand everything around it plays into this this story that's why it took it took a long time to to write the story because the level of research that was needed to bring it um to to bring it and make it into as best possible story could be with accuracy too. I mean, not just going oh, based off the history books, yeah. like you said. That's that's yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. Do you think that a single legitimate witch was killed during these witch trials? I mean, you, you kind of just briefly yeah. mentioned the witch trials. Do you think that? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I you, so it's this start. I guess when you could talk about the Salem trials, sure. The, the, fir- the first the first witch panic didn't happen in Salem. The first witch panic was actually the 1650s in Connecticut. But we'll talk about the Salem witch trials because that's what everyone's familiar with. So what this what had happened? Samuel Paris, I think it was uh, his name, was the minister, and something happened to his kids where they, you know, they the strange things were happening to his kids. Um, I think that was real because I think that was an attack upon the kids, uh, a demonic assault, like what we what we've been talking about. Yeah, and I think that was real, right? And so 
was there a, a real like a real witch in that trial? Um, I don't I'm not I don't know for sure, but I know Tichaba in that scenario, she was making cakes with urine, which is a witchcrafty thing. Right. She yeah. wasn't in the, in a, she wasn't a witch in the sense that you would think is a, is a, is a witch, but it was a witchcraft practice. Um, so she admitted to doing these things. She was from, a, I believe she was from the Caribbean and this was like oh. natural for her to, to do it. So, yeah. uh, so what I think what happened was um, as it started to go along, people started accusing people. These three, three girls actually started accusing people. Um, they started accusing people like Rebecca Nurse, who was like in her 70s or 80s, who was a really godly woman who literally almost fell off her chair when they came to her house to tell her that she was being accused of witchcraft. Right. And um, and so they accused they've accused some innocent people. Um, some things came from land rights or some things came from jealousies and some things came from from bad blood. And so this was a way for people to you know, to enact revenge against yeah. people. Right. I don't like so her. I'm say she's a witch. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. So there was, there was a lot of that. Was there a real witch in this case? Um, I don't know, but I know that those kids did suffer something really demonic. Um, that was the start of it. Because I think- well guys, thanks for listening so far to get the rest of it. Head to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. Me and MR Gorga in this episode finish that story that he was going into right there. We talk about the risks of white and black magic, and he says you should stay away from both. I can't say I disagree. And he also gets into a very prophetic dream that he had about 20 years ago or so relating to the political sphere of America today. Awesome stuff. Can't thank him enough. Head to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. You get about 40 minutes here and an additional 100 episodes in their full version. Thanks so much, guys.